0: There are so many ways you can support H.U.G. All you have to do is visit our website, heartsunitetheglobe.com, to see how you too can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support.
1: I've always found ways, and I think anybody with a situation similar to mine will find ways to accomplish what they want to accomplish regardless of, of anything. As long as you're determined to, have a good life it's not that difficult for me anyway
0: welcome to heart to heart with anna i am anna jaworski and your host i'm also a heart mom at the time of this recording my heart warrior is 26 years old he's a pharmacy tech at our local hospital and he is my inspiration It's because of Alexander that I founded Hearts Unite the Globe, the nonprofit organization that supports this podcast. I'd like to give a quick shout out to our patrons. Thank you so much for your continued support. Joseph Jaworski, Nancy Jensen, Michael Lieben, Alicia Lynch, Brenda Lane Phillips, and Brenda Vignaroli. I'm excited for today's show to feature a true congenital heart defect pioneer. Today's show is entitled, A Blaylock Thomas Tossic Cooley Miracle Wonder Boy. Mike Edinburgh was born in 1943 with Tetralogy of Fallot. Mike was the 44th patient to receive the Blaylock Tossic shunt. On October 2nd, 1945, Dr. Alfred Blalock, Vivian Thomas, and Dr. Denton Cooley performed heart surgery on Mike. After the surgery, Mike turned from blue to pink and was able to breathe freely for the first time in his life. Mike enjoyed good health until an auto accident at the age of 20 left him with subacute bacterial endocarditis, where it was discovered that the shunt was no longer sufficient. Dr. Horace Stansel performed another TOF repair on Mike's 21st birthday in 1964. Mike is a computer specialist, entrepreneur, family man, devoted Catholic, and volunteer with friends from everywhere. He is involved with the Rotary Club's Gift of Life program, which provides life-saving care to children with heart problems. Today, Mike is seventy-seven years old and very grateful to our Lord and medical professionals responsible for his good health. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, Mike.
1: Thank you, thank you. I was seventy seven until February twenty eighth, then that changed.
0: Oh my goodness. So I am well now
1: seventy-eight.
0: Well, congratulations. That's right. I put this script together. In 2020, we're just now recording it here in 2021, and you have celebrated another birthday. That is fantastic, Mike.
1: Thank you. I agree.
0: (laughs) Well, it's so exciting to have the 44th patient operated on for Blue Baby Syndrome on my program. When I saw that you had been operated on by Texas legend, Dr. Denton Cooley, not to mention true cardiothoracic legendary surgeon, Dr. Alfred Blaylock, I was stunned. I didn't realize that Dr. Cooley trained with Dr. Blaylock. Please tell us about that operation and what your doctors or your parents shared with you.
1: Unfortunately, I never thought this was a big deal. So I never spoke to my parents about some of the details. But I can tell you a few things about growing up with my situation. I remember going to school in second and third grade, and it was a pretty steep incline my sister and I had to climb to get to school. And my sister had no trouble at all, and I was huffing and puffing where I had a raw throat, and I'd have to stop two or three times along the way to catch my breath and then continue on. So that was pretty rough. And then when I was about 10 or 12 years old, my father bought a powered lawnmower, and my job was to cut the grass. So I pretty much followed this lawnmower around, but it kept me exercising pretty vigorously to keep up with it. At the end of the lawn cutting or halfway through, my throat was pretty raw. So those are two instances I remember of the challenges I had. I'm sure there were others, but those are the two that stick out most in my mind.
0: Now, you weren't right. always where you are right now. Where did you grow up? I know you grew up in the United States, but what city, what state did you grow up in?
1: Well, when I had my surgery, we were living in Waterloo, Iowa. And we lived there until I was seven. And then my father took a job in the Northeast. So we moved to Massachusetts, and we lived there until I was 16, and then he took a job in Connecticut. So we moved there, and so that's why I went to Yale. The doctor that had worked with, Dr. Tausick was assigned at Yale. So she was head of pediatric cardiology at Yale at the time. Her name was Ruth Whittemore. So I did the follow-up with her. We got to be good friends, and I'd go see her occasionally just to say hello Choosing so the really instrumental. Am I choosing Yale New Haven Hospital for the surgery?
0: So, how old were you when you had your first surgery? You were two when you had your first surgery, right?
1: Two years, seven months, yes.
0: Okay. Wow. Okay. And so you're talking about the surgery that you had when you were 21. Correct. Is that right? hmm. Okay. Yes. Wow. Wow. That must have been such a gift for you to be able to choose your surgeon, and to have somebody who was so well-renowned. Tell us about the surgery that you had with Dr. Stansel.
1: There were three doctors on the team. I got the lick of the draw. And when we found out it was Dr. Stansel, Dr. Whittemore said, well, I'm so glad you got him. So put our minds at ease. And obviously, did a great job because here I am at 78, still being a pain in the neck to
0: my wife and 54 years later you have not had to have a revision at all Correct none That's Nothing. amazing That is amazing So how is it that you know you're the 44th patient to be operated on by Dr. Playlock
1: I looked at Helen Tausick's ledger
0: Really When I was at
1: Johns when I was at Johns Hopkins they showed me her ledger where it listed me as number
0: 44
1: Wow so I, w- I went back there in in August of 2019 and I was treated like royalty they gave me an African violet that was a cutting from the one that Vivian Thomas had given to Dr. Blaylock at the time. It was from that original cutting. Wow. And they gave me pictures of Alan Thausick. When you walk into Johns Hopkins, when you did, in 1945, there's a huge statue of Christ there. When you walk in, that's the first thing you see. So they gave me a small duplicate of it, and I have that proudly displayed right here in our room.
0: Wow. So
1: I can line clients at anytime I want.
0: That's so neat. Oh. Wow. Yeah.
1: I met the president. The have... president is a very energetic MD, MBA, young woman.
0: Wow. So you were treated like royalty. You were given a replica of this statue that they have when you first go into the facility. You were given an African violet that was spawned what? from the one mm-hmm. that Vivian Thomas gave to Dr. Blaylock. Wow. And you said you were given photos of Dr. Helen Tosnik as well?
1: Correct. Yes. That's just really nice, glossy, eight and a half by 11 glossy photo.
0: That's so wonderful. Do you have any photos of yourself when you were a child with any of them?
1: No, I have a photo of myself like a a couple of months after surgery at Christmas, actually. So it was two months after surgery that was published in the newspaper at the time because it was pretty rare. And you were a success
0: story. Yes. That's just so amazing. Home Tonight Forever by the Baby Blue Sound Collective.
2: please send an email to Anna Jaworski at Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. That's Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Anna.
0: Mike, before the break, we learned about you having surgery with some legends, which is just amazing. But I would love to hear about your childhood and your early adulthood. Being operated on by those people Was really a miracle back then. And we still consider it a miracle today. Were you treated differently as a child because of that?
1: At the expense of my siblings, yes. Whenever I speak to parents of a CHD, I say, treat all your children the same. Don't show any favoritism because the siblings can, in my case, it didn't happen, but they could have resented it, certainly. I think they did at the time, but they've grown to accept it as just what happened.
0: So, how many siblings do you have?
1: I had four. I have three now.
0: Wow. You told us a little bit about your sister, so she must have been close in age to you.
1: She was a little bit older, mm-hmm. and I have a younger sister, and she's very giving and controlling in a good way, mm-hmm. and she if there's a problem, she'll solve it, <laughs> so she takes control.
0: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Take charge. I have charge. A
1: brother, yes, Okay. And I, and I had two younger brothers, but one had epilepsy and He passed away six days after he turned 66.
0: Oh, I'm so so sorry. It was
1: 2017. Wow. Heart attack. My other brother had a heart attack too. So I'm the one with the heart issues and a heart attack. Wow. However, when I was in my 30s, I decided to stop eating meat. I didn't really decide. I just lost the interest in eating meat. So I haven't had meat since I was in the last 40 some odd years. So I eat fish, rice, rice is plentiful in the Philippines, Mm -hmm. and so is fish. Mm -hmm. So I'm very happy here. I also eat a lot of lentils and rice. Lentils are a complete protein, so I'm happy with that.
0: Wow. So you attribute your diet to your longevity, or at least partially to it?
1: I think it's a big part of it, sure. I have trouble gaining weight. Well, that's a a problem a lot of
0: people would like to have. (laughs) <laughs> but I wonder if your heart is working so hard that that's one of the reasons why you have trouble gaining weight.
1: I'm not sure it's working hard.
0: You're not sure it's working um, hard?
1: I weighed 126 all my life, and I recently lost about 8 or 9 pounds. Oh, wow. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, so, so you're very thin. And your doctors I'm, are not worried about that?
1: No, and I think the reason is because of this oh. this virus. I'm not out exercising. I'm not building up an appetite. So I'm pretty much stuck with that. All my life, I was always 126 pounds. Never more, never less. You know, all my adult life since I was in high school.
0: Interesting.
1: One interesting thing, speaking of high school, like I can mention. Mm-hmm. When we moved from Massachusetts to Connecticut, my school in Massachusetts, there were 16 students in the class. When I moved to Connecticut, there were 3,000 students in the school. Wow. So. I was pretty much overwhelmed by this. And one sure. day I'm walking down the hall, going to my next class, and there were a few jocks there, and one of them said, hey, skinny, your ribs are showing. So I kept walking a few more steps, and I just decided I'm not going to let this guy get away with this, you know? Mm-hmm. So I went back, and this, of course, this before my second operation. And so I stuck my fingernails in his face, and I said, see the blue? Yeah. And <laughs> he said, well, that's a heart condition. Just saying, God, you don't have it. And I walked away. And his friends were laughing, ha, 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 until I said that, you know, and uh-huh. then there was dead silence. I like to think that here was a thing that happened to me that I was able to turn around and maybe make an impact on some guy who would bully other people.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And maybe he learned to listen from that, not to do that anymore. We became good friends, by the way, later on.
0: Did you really? How interesting. Yeah. When he you said you put when him. you said you put your fingers in his face, I thought at first you meant you scratched him, but what you mean is you put your hands up so he could see how blue your nails were. Correct. Wow. That was brave of you, Mike.
1: Well, I had nothing to lose. He wasn't gonna hit me. I knew that.
0: <laughs> how did you know that? Kids can be mean.
1: I felt pretty safe there. A lot of people around. Yeah. So it
0: sounds like your childhood and your early adulthood, you were pretty much just going with the flow, unless somebody was bullying you, and then you actually stood up for yourself, good for you. But it doesn't sound like you were in the hospital all the time, or that you were prevented from doing what you wanted to do. Is that true?
1: I think because I was used to the attention, I took advantage of that sometimes. To my regret now, I should have learned to swim. And I didn't, because by not Going with the class, I drew attention. When I was in high school in Connecticut, anybody that had a handicap like me was given a taxi ride to school, back and forth to school every day. So that was one advantage that that helped me a lot.
0: So did you Mm -hmm. have physical education with the other children, or were you also excused from that?
1: I was excused from that. Mm -hmm. Of course, I was excused from the draft, Mm -hmm. so I didn't have to worry about that. A lot of my friends were in Vietnam or in the service elsewhere, but that was not an issue where I was concerned.
0: And it said in your bio that you became a computer scientist, so it sounds like you were able to go to college?
1: Well, I was really lost, you know. I worked in a machine shop for a while and and a few other things, and I really didn't have any direction. I think a lot of CHD are ADHD, and I'm definitely ADHD. I speak very quickly, usually. I'm controlling my speech right now. But I find that I rush things. So I really was not a good student in school because rather than focus on the, what the teacher was saying, my mind was elsewhere. I was distracted all the time. So that's why I really had trouble finding a niche until computers came along. Mm-hmm. Then, boom, that was my niche. So I could really focus. A friend of mine told me that he thought I'd be good in computers. So I took a course at a community college in computers, and I got a job selling, and I sold very well. I had no problem selling at all because the person that walked in the door was a customer no matter what they looked like. So one guy came in with a leather jacket and, and boots on, and I said, yes, sir, I can help you. He says, yeah, I'm the secretary of the Connecticut Motorcycle Raiders Association. I need a computer to keep track of the members. So he, he ended up buying a computer from me, of course, as well as many other people. Then I went off on my own. The company went out of business, but by that time, I already started it on my own. So then I had a computer service business where I put in networks and remove viruses and taught people applications and really enjoyed it. So for me, it was not work because it was really enjoyable.
0: Yeah. You said you had ADHD. And for those listeners who don't know what that means, that's attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. What you were just talking about, you were constantly changing. And so that actually fit your I hate to say disability, but that but kind of yeah, that kind My of challenge. fits your disability, your challenges, because you didn't have to stay focused on the same thing for too long because things were always changing. Correct. Yes. Yeah. And that probably made exactly. it fun and exciting for you. Because you yeah. you actually started with computers when they were just really becoming available to the public didn't you?
1: 1984, yes.
0: That's amazing. Why did you decide to move to the Philippines?
1: I've always hated the cold weather. Like I said, I'm thin and I have poor circulation. So I really suffered in the cold weather. Mm -hmm. And in 1995, 96, I was single, never married. And the same person that told me to go into computers suggested I write to some women in the Philippines. So I wrote to some and I got some letters back and and then I have a friend who is a graphologist. She could do forensic handwriting analysis and psychological handwriting analysis so she could testify in court for a forgery or she could analyze people's handwriting. So I gave this woman these letters and out of a stack of letters she picked my current wife. Oh my and goodness. This is the one this is the one you want to write to. This is the one you want to focus on.
0: Wow. You are the I'm first person her. I've ever talked to who used a handwriting specialist to pick their wife.
1: <laughs> well, if I hadn't known her, I never would have done that. She yeah. was a mother of a friend of mine, so we were good friends. I thought, well, this makes sense. That's so, just
0: brilliant. So she could analyze the temperament of this woman?
1: She told me three things about her. Uh-huh. She really misses her father. She's exactly as she appears. And she has a lot of tenacity.
0: Wow! So she was
1: 100% all three. She wants something, she go after it, like me.
0: (laughs) That is amazing. Can you tell us about the kind of medical care you have available in the Philippines? Because the Philippines is not world-renowned for medical care, and here you have this major medical condition.
1: When the doctors come here for the children to operate, there's lots of times they'll, out of curiosity, you want to do a ultrasound on me. So I get the advantage of that. But recently, I met this new doctor right by chance, who really is on the ball. He's very sharp. And he lives in the same city we live. He just did an ultrasound on me uh, about a week ago. And he said, everything looks really great. He says, you have a little bit of blowback in one of the valves, but that's normal. He said, you've got an electrical issue in your heart. But you had this exact same electrical issue in your heart in 1964. So it hasn't changed at all. So I wouldn't worry about that because I had gotten my records from Yale Mm -hmm. and sent them to him ahead of time. I also have my records from Johns Hopkins.
0: That's great. That's great. It's really good if you have those original records because it may be really hard to get your hands on them now through the hospital.
1: Well, I got them. About two or three months ago, they just emailed them to me. I oh, had to really? fill out all the paperwork, but yeah, they emailed them to me.
0: Wow. So it was pretty easy. Okay. And those are probably like relics. They probably haven't seen many records that are that old. I mean, you're really such a legend in your own right.
1: Yeah. I shared them with, with a few of the doctors that come here. Matter of fact, one of the doctors that comes here, I think he's about my age, maybe a little younger, but he's not really sharp cardiovascular surgeon, you know. Mm-hmm. His name is Tom Carl, and uh, he likes jazz. I like jazz. so
0: Yeah, he's originally uh, from Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, if I'm not mistaken. I think I've heard him speak before. Possibly. Yeah. Possibly.
1: Anyway, you know who taught Tom Carl? Yeah. Or Stansel. Or Stansel, my surgeon. Uh-huh. That's where Tom Carl learned his trade from my my surgeon when I was 21.
0: Oh, my God.
1: So, small world, that uh, we'd come here and we'd become friends. Absolutely. And was by Stancil. Anna Jaworski has written several books to empower the congenital heart defect, or CHD, community. These books can be found at Amazon.com or at her website, www.babyheartspress.com. Her bestseller is The Heart of a Mother, an anthology of stories written by women for women in the CHD community.
0: Before the break, we were learning about Mike, a former Blue Baby, and how he's grown up to be a 78-year young man. In this segment, I'd like to talk to you about the charity that you hold dear. Can you please tell us about the Gift of Life program?
1: Sure. It's a rotary program. Many clubs are Gift of Life. We have two in the city, our club and one other club called Ciba West, both Gift of Life clubs. With the pandemic, it's a little bit of a challenge because the doctors can't come here If they did, they'd have to spend 14 days in quarantine Mm. before they could come out and do anything. So we send the children to the Heart Center, which is in Manila, and they can do the surgery there. So we cover the cost of airfare and the lodging, and the children get taken care of. One of our past presidents started this program about seven years ago, and he really was behind the whole thing. We would do three or four a year, maybe. Well, about four years ago, when I joined the club here, one of the members was thinking, we should be able to get a grant from the Rotary and do a vocational training team. Hmm. So we got $260,000 from Rotary International, and that helped us bring teams in. Teams that include 18 to 20 people, maybe a little more. There are biomedical engineers, the surgeons, of course, the intensivists, the people that are in the heart lung machine. I forget mm-hmm. the name now. Everybody. And they come in, and they teach the locals how to do everything. Oh, wow. So the biomedical engineer, the engineers here,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: the anesthesiologists, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So as a result, we were able to do 25 or 30 children in two-week time. Wow. Not all of them needed open hearts. Some of them could be fixed by a catheter through the groin.
0: Yeah.
1: And they go home the next day. So it's much less invasive. Sure. So... This has been really great. I'm there. I'm at the hospital every day. Even though I'm not assigned every day, I go there just to encourage the parents and say, listen, I'm this old and, da, 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 and I'm great at health. So don't be discouraged with the medical science they have these days. It's not that big a deal. You know, sure, it's open heart surgery, but the doctors are well skilled in dealing with situations that come up. So chances are they can handle just about anything, which is true.
0: It is amazing how much they can handle and how well the children are doing today, especially compared to when you were first born.
1: Correct. Correct. Yes.
0: I find it amazing that you go to the hospital every day to encourage the parents. That's so lovely. It's a passion. Yeah, it is a passion. Can you share with me maybe one of the most rewarding experiences you've had while volunteering with the Rotary Club?
1: They're a couple actually. There's this one little boy who's just so much energy and so positive and everybody loves him. He walks around with his thumbs up all the time showing <laughs> off and, and it's really great to see him. So I took his picture when he had his operation and then he came back a few months later and I showed him his picture and he was all excited. He showed his parents and that was kind of neat. That is neat. and then we had this other girl who was fifteen years old. This young lady was supposed to be operated on for a cleft lip Mm -hmm. when she was three. But when they went to operate on her, they found out that she had a heart issue. Mm -hmm. So they couldn't operate. So when she was 15, they fixed both of them at the same time. Now this girl went through school being harassed and tortured and picked on because of her lip. Mm -hmm. So it was just really terrible. Now she's absolutely gorgeous. She is so happy. It's just an amazing turnaround to see this young lady. It makes the whole thing worthwhile, you know?
0: Oh, absolutely. When you see a transformation like that and somebody who had been bullied and maybe lacked confidence, and then they have this surgery, but who knew she had a heart defect as well? What kind of heart surgery did she have? Do you know? I
1: think it was VSD. Wow. I think two changes, physical appearance and mental attitude. So two radical changes, big difference. Such a difference.
0: And it's almost like you're a mentor to these people, isn't it?
1: Uh, in some cases, yes.
0: I love, I love that. It. Yeah, I love that. That's just so amazing. And now this hospital is not even in your town. You have to travel a little bit to get there, don't you?
1: No, it's close. It's
0: close. Oh, it's close. Oh, well, good. Yes. So that does yes. make it a little bit easier for you to go on a daily basis. Oh, yeah. That's great. Well, by now, I'm sure some of my listeners will want to donate to your organization. Can you tell us how they could make a donation?
1: There's two ways. They can either donate to our club or they can donate directly to Gift of Life by just going online and look at Gift of Life International. It has to be Gift of Life International. Gift of Life is different than Gift of Life International.
0: And if so, they go to the Rotary Club website, the Gift of Life program is listed on there. But what I'll do is I'll make sure that this is in my show notes. And for those of you who don't know what show notes are, that's the description of the show. So there will be a link there to the Gift of Life program with the Rotary Club. If you would like to share your own club's information with me too, Mike, then I can share that as well. Okay, I shall do that. That would be great. It sounds like you've not only had a lot of years to your life, but a lot of quality to your life. Do you have any advice for somebody who's much younger than you who might also have a heart defect?
1: Persevere. For me, it was just what happened to me. I never paid much attention to it. I mean, I guess I identified myself with it, but I tried not to let it control me and pretty much do whatever I wanted to do. I've always found ways, and I think anybody with a situation similar to mine will find ways. To accomplish what they want to accomplish, regardless of of anything. As long as you're determined to have a good life, it's not that difficult. For me anyway.
0: I think prayer you pray a lot. I right. pray a lot. Oh, do you? So you think that prayer and faith is an important part of your life?
1: For me it certainly was, yes. It certainly is.
0: And you yeah. said you were Catholic, right? Correct. Are there a lot of Catholic churches there in the Philippines?
1: Oh, uh, there are, yes. Okay. Yeah. There are two images of the baby Jesus that are recognized in Rome. One is Infinite Prague, which is in Czechoslovakia.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the other one is called Santo Nino. And that's right here in Cebu. Ah, so,
0: I did not know uh, that. Hmm. Interesting. It has been so great talking to you and getting to know you, Mike. Thank you so much for coming on the program today.
1: Well, I am honored. Thank you.
0: Well, that's it for today's program, friends. Thanks for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider becoming a patron of our program. You can learn more at www.patreon.com slash heart2heart. We appreciate each and every contributor. Even a small donation can make a big difference. Have a great week. And remember, my friends, you are not alone.
2: Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you have been inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart defect community. Heart to Heart with Anna, with your host Anna Jaworski, can be heard every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern time.